There you go. That's the microphone check. That's the microphone check taken care of. Level check sorted. None of this one two one two nonsense. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I should really leave that in, but what the heck? What the heck? It's Christmas. We're gonna sick. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit delirious. I don't know what the rules are. I've been trapped in the house for the last God knows how long. I was meant to be doing a gig today at a theatre in Swindon, supporting the comedian Laura Lex. And instead, I'm spending another day in the house. I thought there's no point focusing on the present. There's nothing to talk about. Nothing's happening. I'm going to ignore Swade. Swade? I'm going to ignore Swade. I'm not going to be wearing Swade, but that's by the by. So I do apologise if you bought me any Swade. Uh, take it back, because I'm, I'm not going to be wearing it. But what I was trying to say was I'm going to ignore Slade, and I'm not going to look to the future. Because goodness knows what the heck the future's got in store for us. So instead, I thought we'd look to the past. I am the ghost of Christmas past, or Clipsmas past, if you will, my friends. <laughs> This is a compilation podcast of Christmas-based clips from the Dollop series that I did in 2016, David's Daily Digital Dollop, where I did a podcast every single day for the year 2016. And of course, as we got into the Christmas season, there were various Christmas shenanigans to be had, and so I'm going to play you a selection of those Christmas things on this podcast. We've got a Christmas play that I wrote and recorded when I was at university in 2004. We've got homoerotic bath-based Christmas Christmas cracker fun. <laughs> oh, that's me trying to remember what else is coming up on the show, that noise there. That's not, I'm just remembering the homoerotic bath. We've got Christmas based recordings of myself when I was a child. We've got all sorts of stuff. What's, what do I need to tease you for? Because you're going to stick around. You've always been a loyal bunch. You know, you're not, you might not be the most handsome fans. I think you've got to admit that. You know, you're not the, you're not the prettiest of people. But you've, you've always been loyal. Hey, I will say that about you. I'm going to play the clips one after another. I'm not going to speak in between because <laughs> I think that might just get a little bit too much, to be honest. And also, it'll go on for far too long. It's already an hour's worth of clips. So we're going to play the clips one after another, and then I'll be back at the end to say Merry Christmas and goodbye. So there's something to look forward to. But please don't fast forward just to that bit. I know it's very exciting, that prospect of me saying Merry Christmas and goodbye at the end. How will he say it? Hold your horses. Hold your horses. Just a special message there to some of our fans and I've got quite a few fans who are stable owners and so here we go then for the next hour a selection of Christmas based clips from the David Eagle podcast Merry Clipsmas Enjoy This is the sound of the stairs leading up to where we are staying today and for this weekend we have arrived at the Fork East Festival in Suffolk and I am hoping that I have remembered everything I, I made a list. I checked it twice. If it's good enough for Father Christmas, it's good enough for me. He's got a lot to remember, Father Christmas. Not only does he have to remember all the children who he's going to deliver the presents to, but he's also got to remember which ones are naughty and which ones are nice. I don't know when the cut-off period for Father Christmas is and how it works. I don't know how he works this, this out and that Father Christmas sort of goes, you know, that person's being good. But what happens if they did something really bad like on December the 15th? Is it too late then? Does that person still get away with it? I mean, I imagine if someone knew when the cut-off period was, it's like, well, I'm going to do a dastardly deed, but I'm going to wait until December the 15th. That's Father Christmas's cut-off point. I mean, yes, you are potentially squandering your opportunity to get presents next year, but then you might be thinking, you might be holding out hope for the fact that by that point, Father Christmas will have forgotten. 
it's kind of like 15th of December. He's so busy with Christmas. You've done your bad deed. By the time January comes again, you're good. You're being good again. Father Christmas is like, oh, you know, he checks in on you. He's like, oh, yeah, he's he's good. He's good. Oh, now we'll check it twice. I'll check twice. I'll come back maybe in July, see how he's getting on. But essentially, I'm not sure how, how much Father Christmas keeps his ear to the ground when it comes to people being naughty and nice. What with the increasing population of the planet as well, um, I imagine it's increasingly more difficult. Or does it get easier with the so- advent of social media, perhaps? Now you can just look on Facebook and find out what people are doing. Someone's like, oh, that person's being a troll. And Father Christmas does not like trolls. Uh, the trolls don't get on with the elves, uh, you see. Two mythological creatures there don't get on with each other. So when he finds out there's a troll, someone putting bad stuff on Twitter, he just sees the word troll. He goes, oh, that person's a troll. I don't like them. So I've been looking through some archived recordings because I wanted to play you some more songs on the dollops. Previously, I have played you some of my childhood compositions. Of course, Daniel Wet Himself Today, I think being one of the sort of standout tracks of my childhood canon. And I was looking for some other things and I found a few Christmas bits and pieces. This is a a play that I made at university and it's a play called The Return of the Real Father Christmas and it's just a short thing I mean it's not bad the production's not brilliant the writing's okay there's a few interesting ideas in there but when I listened to it it still made me laugh the concept of it still made me laugh so this uh, features some friends from university the person playing Father Christmas he sort of gets into it I think as it goes on but uh, there's a line in it Father Christmas is back he was meant to really deliver with gusto and enthusiasm but he, d- he doesn't really but I think as the player progresses he sort of gets more and more into it but you can definitely hear that he's reading it more than acting it <laughs> there's quite a few cringeworthy jokes in there but uh, I, I still like the concept i think it's quite funny so here it is the return of the real father christmas for hundreds of years father christmas had done what he had always done You know, the whole reindeer, sleigh, presents and chimney lark. And for the most part, he'd enjoyed immensely his role in society. Of course, like anyone, he'd had his ups and downs, as I suppose he would really, given his tendency for chimney travel. But yes, he was happy. He had a wife and children who had loved him dearly, and he had loved dearly too. Or should I say, rain dearly. (laughs) Anyway, the problem was that he loved them so much that when his wife ran off taking the children with her to live a life of debauchery with an elf, he was unable to go on. He grieved so much that for the next 100 years, he refused to do what Father Christmas does. But then he woke up one morning and he said to himself, Ho, ho, ho! Which um, doesn't really mean anything, but he seems to say it quite a lot. Uh, Well, we all have our odd little quirks, don't we? No, this won't do. I'm going to have to stop grieving over my wife and children and get back to work. The people need me, for goodness sake. I'm Father Christmas, and without me, Christmas just isn't Christmas. I imagine the world is a much darker and worse off place without me. Father Christmas is back. This was followed by yet another ho-ho-ho, but it's not really important, is it? Donna, Blitzen, Rudolph, and the others. Come bring my sleigh. It's Christmas time. The elves, prepare yourselves for England. Where are we? We're in a shop, sir. Oh, yes, a shop. I remember those things. Oh, look, look, Father Christmas, look. Oh, yes, this is brilliant. I'm home. It's a grotto. They've remembered me. 
I expect they never thought I'd leave them for good. Come on, elves and reindeers, bring the sleigh. It's time to show the world that Father Christmas is back. To the grotto I go. Ho, ho, ho! Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! So, what would you like for Christmas, little girl? A teddy bear! Well, have you been a good little girl? Yes, Santa. Well, have a feel in my sack. That's right. Have a nice little feel. Yes, in my sack. There you go. Ooh, it's a teddy bear. Oh, yes. Merry Christmas, little girl. Ho, ho, ho. What's going on here? You imposter. You've been trying to take my place, have you? Who the hell are you? I'm the real Father Christmas. That's right. And you're a feeble imposter. Elves, unclothe the man. Unmask him. Show him for the fraud he really is. The real Father Christmas is back. That's right. You see, little girl, you've been foiled. This man is an imposter. Oh, oh, oh dear. Oh. You see this man before you now? We've shown him for the naked human wreck that he is. Oh, I'm the real Father Christmas, and I'm back to whip your ass. <laughs> Don't cry now, little girl. I'm the real Father Christmas. Come and sit on my knee. You see what you've done, imposter? You've turned them against me. Elves, arrest that man! You're under arrest for impersonating Father Christmas. Elves, take him away! Where be you taking me? To Lapland! No! Justice will be mine! This is the return of the real Father Christmas. And you, my son, will be taken to Lapland. And flogged! And fed to the reindeers! Elves! Reindeers! Take the sleigh to Lapland! My goodness, there you go. Dramatic stuff. I think it still stands the test of time. Uh, it's still a classic. I've actually just looked at the title and it's actually called An Excerpt from The Return of the Real Father Christmas, which suggests that in my head I had anticipated there being more, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what might have happened. I like the idea, though, of the real Father Christmas getting sidetracked from his line of work, his usual line of work of getting presents for boys and girls, and he sort of just goes on a vigilante hunt for fake Father Christmases when he finds out that there's more Father Christmases in grottos in shops around the world. He gets more and more angry, maybe, and uh, physically assaults them and drags them back to Lapland and sort of court-martials them. And I like the idea of... turns into more of like a horror kind of idea where Father Christmas just gets more and more angry and vengeful. These people are daring to impersonate him. And then maybe the uh, there is a group of Father Christmases who find out what's going on. They find out that the real Father Christmas is on their trail and they think, right, we've all got a club together. You know, we need to protect ourselves, strength in numbers. And so then there's, they form an army, fake 
Father Christmases against the real Father Christmas. So then they sort of meet him at this grotto. They sort of maybe set a trap. So maybe they send him a letter or something to Lapland and they say, there's loads of people in this particular town centre shopping mall who are impersonating you. You need to get yourself there. And when Father Christmas comes there with his elves and his reindeers, they're, they're attacked. They're set upon by the fake Father Christmases and a, a bloody battle commences in front of confused children. <laughs> <laughs> as they vie for supremacy. I, I like that idea. I mean, I feel as if I'm sort of giving away the plot now. You know, really, I should keep this to myself. And unfortunately, it might be difficult to uh, get in touch with the original actors. And obviously, I'd want the original cast. It's almost like the parts were made for them, wasn't it? So, I mean, I'd have to get in touch with the original cast and see if I could get them back. No doubt they'd want quite a lot of money. But uh, exciting stuff in the pipeline, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the real return of the real Father Christmas there. But that's just an excerpt. And while I was looking through the archives, I found something else. A little Christmas song parody that I did quite a few years ago now, while I was at university. Herod's on the runway Herod's on the highway Looking to kill Jesus Angel came his way and said, Ha ha, Herod, you bastard, you couldn't get the real king, for he's in the manger, the Savior is asleep in some shepherds and the wise men, set to find their way, following the guiding star, which led them to a stay. Oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are your branches. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are your branches. Oh, I know I shouldn't, but we're all alone and it is Christmas after all. Oh, why not? Why not? Oh, Christmas tree. Look at you there, scantily clad in tinsel, your baubles swinging low. Oh, let me kiss your baubles. Let me kiss your baubles. Ah, well, I'm all turned on, but oh, I haven't turned you on yet, have I? Oh, let me turn you on. Let me turn you on, Christmas tree. Oh, that's it. Look at you now, you're turned on. Your pretty little lights. Oh. oh, look at you up there, you 
little fairy. You naughty little fairy. Oh, you like it on top, don't you? You like it on top? Yes. You like it with that branch stuck up your ass. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, yes. Pine needles cascading all over me. Oh, you're pining for me. You're pining for me, Christmas tree. Oh, I've been pining for you all year. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, 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 pine needles. Oh, oh, God. Get Google how to remove pine needles from my. Oh, God. So much blood. So much blood. Oh, every year I never learn. Yesterday's dollop, I played you a song that I recorded as a teenager, a version of Stefan Wolf's Born to be Wild, and when you changed, hilariously and ingeniously changed, for Christmas to Born Meek and Mild, which told the story of Jesus being pursued by King Herod. Now, I wrote it when I was a teenager, as I say, if I was to write it now, I'd probably improve it in many ways. But then again, there are people singing traditional carols that could do with a bit of work, I think. Songs that are classics in the Christmas canon. And yet, in my opinion, they could do with a bit of improvement. For example, there's the song The Seven Joys of Mary. And uh, I talked about this song and my qualms with it at our Christmas gig in Stockton. So I'm going to play a little clip from that. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to suggest a few ways in which the song can be improved. The first good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of one. To see our Saviour Jesus Christ when he was first a son. When he was first a son, good man and blessed may he be. Both Father, Son and Holy Ghost through all eternity. The Seven Joys of Mary. People know that one, the Seven Good Joys that Mary had? Yeah. I always find that song a bit of a weird one, because it basically charts in chronological order, seemingly, the joys that Jesus' mother has. But the first good joy is Jesus being born, so you can, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty special, I can imagine. But the second joy that Mary has is Jesus curing the lame. So that's quite impressive, isn't he? He's walking there, he's curing people, people are walking. The third good joy that Mary has, he makes the blind see. Very impressive. But the fourth joy that Mary has is watching Jesus read reading the Bible all. And I think if you've seen your son curing the blind and the lame, reading isn't really that impressive, is it? She's pulled out a big wow, Jesus, you know. In fairness, he does get his act together when he's on the fifth joy. The joy of five is bringing the dead alive. So he's back on form again, Jesus. <laughs> well, unfortunately, like joy of six is dying on the crucifix. It's a bit odd for a mother to enjoy, but anyway. <laughs> I suggest that what we do with this song, we change the order of things a bit. Because I think it's ridiculous that you should cure the lame, cure the blind, and then he's reading. You know, it's, it's stupid. You know, you need like a tier system. Jesus is born, he should then read. Then he should cure the lame, then he should cure the blind, then he should bring the dead alive. Not sure about the crucifix one. Not sure whether she'd really enjoy that particularly. I think that's a bit morbid to say that he enjoyed it. I think we should maybe think of something else for that. I, mean, I think the wa turning water into wine probably brought her a bit more joy than seeing her son dying on the cross. Unless she was getting really pissed off with Jesus, maybe. You know, I've been waiting for ages to bump off Joseph's mother. You know, my mother-in-law, she drives me around the bend. No sooner does she die, Jesus comes up, brings the bloody sod back to life. Maybe that's what's happened. There's a bit of a backstory there that we're not aware of. I think, why don't we just say something like, the sixth good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of six, to see her own son, Jesus Christ, from water to wine did fix. 
Just something like that, you know, I'll fix some wine for you. Some water to wine did fix. Other suggestions are welcome. I think we should swap number two and number four around. Because reading is less impressive than curing the limb of the blind. And also, it doesn't even rhyme. Number two. The thing for number two is, the second good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of two. To see her own son, Jesus Christ, making the lame to go. Doesn't rhyme at all. Two and go don't rhyme. The only way that would rhyme is if you had someone with a very broad Scottish accent singing it. It was the joy of two. To see our own son, Jesus Christ, mock on the lamb to goo. You know, that's the only way that would work. But that would be ridiculous if you suddenly went into a Scottish accent for the second good joy that Mary had. You know, if the King's College Choir are singing it, and they suddenly, Oh, first good joy that Mary had it was. They all of a sudden have to go, Oh, mock on the lamb to goo. It would be absolutely ridiculous. It wouldn't work. You know, unless you did the entire song in a Scottish accent. But I think, to be honest, you'd get to the bit where you'd done the second good joy, and you go, mock on the lamb to goo. And you'd go, well, it just sounds absolutely ridiculous now. But now, I'm stuck with this bloody Scottish accent, and I've got to do the rest of the song. There's no reason to do the rest of the song, because everything else rhymes. But now I'm stuck with a Scottish accent. I really didn't think this through when I started on it. I've spent too much time worrying about the to and go line, trying to make it rhyme. I'm now stuck with this bloody Scottish accent. You know, I'm a laughing stock. People are just laughing at me. So I propose, why don't we just have the fourth joy as curing the lame? Making the lame to go was the joy of four. It rhymes. Perfect. Now I know what you're thinking. But you do that, David. Now you've lost the original rhyme for number four. But I would argue it's not even really much of a rhyme. The fourth good joy goes like this. It was the joy of four to see your own son Jesus Christ reading the Bible or. Or. It's ridiculous. Reading the Bible or. Or apostrophe E-R. It's a feeble rhyme. When you've got making the lame to go rhyming with two, and then you've got reading the Bible or to rhyme with four, someone hasn't thought this through. And I, I would argue this song has been hastily put together. You know, hundreds of years later, and no one has improved it. Until now, ladies and gentlemen. So I propose we change that. The second good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of two, to see her own son Jesus Christ reading the Bible through. Simple. Reading the Bible through. Done. It's a much better word than or. And now you've got the joy of four making the lame to go. And now you've got it in some decent order. The other thing that annoys me when people sing the song, the seventh good joy. It was the joy of Sem. To see your own son Jesus Christ ascending into hem. Now, I understand that sometimes to make it rhyme, you'd say hem. Because it doesn't sound right. It's gone heaven, hail the hem-born prince of peace, people say, rather than hail the heaven-born prince of peace. You always get that drilled into you when you're in the choir at school. No, it's not heaven-born, it's hem-born. Hem-born? Hem-born prince of peace. It sounds ridiculous. And they tell you that if you sang heaven-born, it would sound ridiculous. Well, I would beg to differ. I would say that singing hem-born sounds stupider than heaven-born. Hail the heaven-born prince of... What's wrong with that? Why not sing that? Why sing hem-born? It just sounds stupid. But at least I can kind of understand it in that perspective. It doesn't have enough syllables. That's kind of the argument. But I don't understand it for the seven joys of Mary. Why would someone need to sing hem then? Because by singing hem rather than heaven, you then have to say sem rather than seven. And who says Sem? It was the joy of Sem to see your own son Jesus Christ ascending into Hem. It's just absolutely stupid. The choir of children sing their song. They practiced all year long. A choir of children sing their song. They've practiced all year long, apparently. So. He's really built this up, hasn't he, Paul? So these children have been practicing all year long, so. It's going to be pretty special, isn't it? I would imagine. Let's hear the result of those children's year-long practice.
that. They've been practising all year long, these children, apparently, according to Paul. And that's essentially it. Ding dong, ding dong. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? How has it taken them a year to get to that stage? I think five minutes they could have achieved that. This is Paul McCartney here. And it's the, one of the most low-budget-sounding things. He's just come out of the Beatles. And this is the most low-budget-sounding record. He could have actually got a choir of children, but he just thought, no, no, I'm just going to cash in here. I'm just going to do this on the cheap. Plug in a microphone, I'll do the ding-dongs and the oo-oo's myself. Can't even be bothered to think of some words. That'll do. Ding-dong, 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 ooh-ooh-ooh-ooh. Then the rest of the song is just him plonking on a keyboard. It's like he's got the... It's like he's got a children's keyboard. It's like a toy keyboard, isn't it? <laughs> For Paul McCartney, you know, think about the songs that they've done in the Beatles. And then he comes out with this, like a Fisher-Price keyboard, and him lacklusterly singing over the top. I mean, originally he was thinking, oh, you know, I'll probably have a snare drum in there, you know, really beef the sound up a bit. And he thought, no, no, I can't even bother doing that. I'll just, I'll just clip my fingers, it'll be fine. That'll do, a bit of finger clicking. There we are, that saved me a bit of money. <laughs> Anyway, it's only mildly better, I would say, than my Christmas song that I composed when I was at school. And it was the uh, first year of secondary school, and we had to write a Christmas song. And we were all assigned a partner to work with, and we were given these, like, xylophone things to play. And I was assigned the lad who had severe learning difficulties. But, and we had to write this song together. And obviously he had to play the xylophone as well, so it had to be really simple. So, you know, I was quite into music, so I could have made something a bit kind of adventurous, but because I was teamed up with this lad with severe learning difficulties he could barely hold the uh the beta for the uh, xylophone i just have to basically sort of say right we're just gonna you know you just hit those two notes there ding, ding, ding. and i tried to make him do it to the rhythm but he, he didn't really have much of a rhythm so i just said hit it as fast as you can because then at least it just sounds like a ding 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 I thought, well, it'd be nice if I could give the, the lads something else to do. So I said, at that point, when you hear me sing, and I see lots of snow, stop beating the xylophone and shout, ho, ho. So I thought that should be all right for him, you know. I've got him involved there. I'll be playing the, the chords on the xylophone. Dun, blink, 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 blink. I'll be doing that. He'll be just going up the top there. Then we pause and he'd go, ho, ho. That was the idea. But he didn't quite get it. He always forgot the pause. So we kind of practised it a few times. So it was, It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. You meant to ho-ho there, and, I, and we tried a few times and it, it just wouldn't work. We were running out of time by now, and that was essentially all we got, and we still hadn't mastered the ho-ho bit. And I said, right, I, I'll nudge you when it's time to do the ho-ho, so I would have to, like, prod him in the ribs when it was time to do the ho-ho. So it was, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. And then I'd have to nudge him, there'd be a bit of a pause, and then he would go, ho-ho. Like that. There was no life in it at all. I tried to get him, I said, well, let's, that's good, let's try and do it now with a bit more enthusiasm, a bit more excitement in the voice. Unfortunately, at that point, time had run out. We'd, our allotted time of, I think about an hour, had passed, essentially, and all I'd managed to do was to get him to hit one note and then say, ho, ho. Under the circumstances, I think I did very well. He had a severe disadvantage in fairness, 
but we'd managed to get round that and we had our Christmas song. So it was time to perform our song in front of all the kids. And the teacher said, so what have you called this song? And I thought, well, oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought of a title. And the only lyrics of the song were, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I say lots of snow. I haven't been able to write any other lyrics and my intention was to write more lines, but I spent that long doing the ho-ho thing and trying to get him to hit the, the note that I kind of got sidelined. I hadn't got a title, and in my folly, I just thought of the first thing that came to my head. I said, the song is called It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. It's not the best thing to do, bearing in mind they are the sole lyrics of the song, apart from Ho Ho. There was still an element, in fairness, there was still an element of surprise to come. I was still holding something back for the people there. Anyway, so we start the song. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. And I nudge him. Ho, ho, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho, ho. And that was it. And I was like, well, that's essentially as far as we got. But in fairness, the music teacher was very supportive and she was really happy. And afterwards she took me aside and said, you know, about the importance of including everybody and thanked me for, for doing that because, you know, she put me with him because other people might have just sort of excluded him and left him aside and just got on with their own stuff. But I included him. And even though he didn't sound particularly enthusiastic by it, apparently he was pretty chuffed with himself, the teacher said. You could tell he was pretty chuffed with himself for being involved. So it was quite a gratifying moment and it had gone well. This lad who doesn't normally get involved with class had got involved. And yes, it wasn't the most enthusiastic ho-ho, but he ho-hoed and he played. And often he wouldn't do that. Often he would just sit and not participate. And so the teacher was over the moon and the support worker was over the moon. And apparently he had a smile on his face, even though he didn't sound enthusiastic, that's just because that's the way he delivers things. And so it was a job well done, essentially. And all the kids were listening as well. They weren't laughing at the ridiculousness of the situation and the unenthusiastic ho-ho and the simplicity of the song. They were respectful as well. What a lovely Christmas moment. The next week, it was Christmas concert time, and I was due to do a performance. So I think I did a sort of an improvised version of... Um... It went down an absolute treat. It were lovely, people were clapping along. I was sort of improvising around it as well. I mean, largely improvising because I was making mistakes, but I turned those mistakes into gems. <laughs> I finished the song and I was given a rapturous applause. And then my music teacher said, absolutely fantastic. You know, David has been exceptional this year, etc., etc." And really started talking me up. And she said, and um, earlier this year, last week, he did a very moving composition. And I was sort of glowing with pride. And then she said, I wonder if you do that song for us now, David. And I sort of looked at her bewildered. And I, and I said, really? And I thought, this is going to be ridiculous. She hasn't explained the context. She hasn't explained the fact that I essentially was working with a kid with severe learning difficulties. He could barely hold the xylophone beater. He could barely muster a ho-ho. You haven't explained that. You haven't explained that for 45 minutes it was me trying to get him to sing ho-ho, play the same note on the xylophone. I don't know what had gone into her head. She just started talking me up and said, yes, we gave all the kids an hour to come up with their own composition, Christmas composition. And I remember that yours particularly moved me, David. And I thought, yes, it, we, we, it moved you because of the situation with the, the kids with severe learning difficulties. That's why it was moving. 
It wasn't moving because the song was brilliant. She remembered that something had moved her, but she couldn't quite put a finger on what it was. Forgot about that bit and just assumed it was the composition, the power of the composition. And she said, it would be brilliant. I think we'd all like to hear this composition, a bit of an extra addition. Let's hear this composition now. And there was a bit of a pause. Everything's running through my brain going, my God, this is going to be humiliating. What am I meant to do in this situation? I didn't have the confidence to sort of explain the situation. Also, it would have seemed a bit churlish maybe to have gone, well, before I start, I want to explain that I was working with a kid with severe learning difficulties here uh, and 45 minutes of the song was taken up. You know, it just sounds spiteful. It sounds... So I started playing it. Um, I could barely sing. My, I was so nervous. My voice had all clammed up. So as I swallowed hard and cleared my throat a few times, I began to do the introduction. And I thought, well, at least try and jazz up the introduction a little bit. If I do a bit of a jazzy introduction, maybe that'll compensate for the uh, paucity of goodness in the actual song. this big introduction and then I thought right well there's nothing for it I'm gonna have to sing the song because she did say it was a song so I began and in my little childish tremulous voice it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow there was a pause not a very long one I would say about half a second a second while I tried to make a decision in my head whether to do the ho-ho or not. I thought, the song's ridiculous. Is it going to be more or less ridiculous with the ho-ho? Should I put the ho-ho in? Would it be disrespectful to not put the ho-ho in? As if I'm embarrassed. You know, if this kid's in the audience, he's going to hear. He's going to go, where's the, where's the ho-ho? Oh, was my part not important? So I did it. I delivered the ho-ho. But I didn't deliver it with conviction, because I wasn't sure. So it was, and I see lots of snow. Oh, oh, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. I thought that was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. What kind of a ho-ho was that? I need to deliver the ho-ho with more conviction. If I'm going to do the ho-ho, I've got to do it with conviction. The next time. And I see lots of snow. Ho-ho! And that point I thought, well, that's essentially the end of the song. I don't know, I've just done the ho-ho with conviction, but that's it. But bloody hell, the introduction's longer than the actual song. So I had to think quickly. I had to think quickly. I sort of had to decide on the spot, would it be more or less humiliating to end this song now? What? End this song just by going, and I see lots of snow, ho, ho, and then leave. After a massively long introduction, it would be absolutely ridiculous. But it already is absolutely ridiculous. All these thoughts were going in my head. And I paused. I decided to utilise the pause. I decided to transition into the next bit of the song. What do you mean the next bit of the song? There isn't the next bit of the song. I'd have to make one up on the spot. I decided to move from C major into the relative minor, A minor, and I decided to utilize the pause that I'd just done. Allow it to give the transition extra gravitas. And I see lots of snow. Ho, ho! It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho, ho! I'd have to do that again. There was no other choice but to do that again. I couldn't just end the song there, so I had to do it again. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. And I thought, well, it can't end on the relative minor. Everyone knows that. You can't end the song on the relative minor. It would be absolutely ridiculous. It has to resolve. So there was nothing for it 
but to do it again, only back to C major. Ho ho, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho ho, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho ho! <laughs> the song ended. There was a bit of a pause. I was shaking at the piano and there was a sort of a bemused applause. And I started to really panic. I wanted nothing more in the world than for this song to end and for the torment to be over. But I, I kept thinking, no, I can redeem the situation. I can pull something out of the bag. I can make this maybe ironic, perhaps. I thought I was going to end it. I went, ho, ho. But then I thought, no, I needed to make something more of it. I can pull this out of the bag. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. I just need to do it with conviction. If I'm going to do this, I need to do it with conviction. Ho, ho, it's Christmas Eve. Come on, people. And I'm looking out the window in desperation, started imploring the crowd to join me in the ho-hos. And I see lots of snow. Your bitch. Ho ho, sang the crowd. Yes! Now this is getting good. I started to realise I'd clawed it back. I'd clawed it back. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho ho, sang the crowd. Yes! It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Last time! Lots of snow! Ho! Ho! We all sang and the crowd burst into rapturous applause. I clawed it back, brought it back from the brink. I'd almost made the song ironic with my ridiculous jazz improvisations. Having the tenacity to do It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. My fake ending. People had taken it as a, a comical ending. Like there was a bit of timid applause and then I was back in again. No one knew what to expect. I was enjoying the moment so much. I decided to continue. Another fake ending, I thought. Another fake ending. As the rapturous applause continued, I went... It's Christmas Eve. We were back in. We were back in and people were now clapping. People were clapping to the rhythm. It's Christmas Eve. I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Just the women. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Just the man. Ho, ho. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Just the teachers. Ho, ho. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of... Oh. Uh, how does it go? Oh yeah, snow. The crowd were loving it. Improvised jokes coming through. What a feeling. The water is lovely and warm. I've got Radox. Hello, Ray. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for joining me in the bath. No problem, mate. There's Radox there. And I'm having a good old soak. Hey, that's no way to talk about me. I've been teetotal for the last four months. Sorry, Ray. Sorry. You're quite right. Oh, yes. I think there is something. I mean, a lot of the dollop regulars who've heard the other two bath time dollops will be able to attest. There is just something, I think, about sitting in the water that just makes me hilarious. Even more hilarious than normal. In fact, the first joke I ever did, I think I was about five-year-old or something, that was made when I was in the bath. So here's my joke from five-year-old that I made when I was in the bath. As you'll hear, it is very much bath 
inspired. In fact, this was my five-year-old eureka moment. Proving, I think, that all the best ideas happen in the bath. Discovery of upper thrust and weighing gold and this joke that I made when I was five-year-old. All the best ideas happen in the bath. So here we go. There was a man. I mean, it could be a woman, to be honest. There's no reason why it has to be a man. But it was a man in my five-year-old joke, so I will keep it there. Get What can I say? Maybe I was a bit of a bigot when I was five. There was a man. He was in the bath. And he wanted to ring his girlfriend, who was called Wet. But he was in the bath, so he couldn't use the phone. So he had to get out. And when he got out of the bath, he was ringing Wet. So that's the joke. I've thought about a way of improving the joke, though, quite a lot. Because, I mean, the, the problem with the joke doesn't really work. I mean, for a start, there's nobody called Wet. It's not really a common name, is it? No one, I don't know anyone called Wet. It's not really a name, so that doesn't work. And also, I've said the word in the punchline. And it's kind of like a bit of a rule, isn't it? You don't say the actual punchline before you do it because everyone knows what you're doing. I had a lot to learn at the age of five. I hadn't mastered comedy until I was seven. But I've taken what I've done at the age of five and I've improved upon it. And I think this is now a much better joke. So here we go. <clears throat> so to do this joke properly, I have to put on an accent. I was in the bath when my dog was violently sick. Oh no, I thought. I need to call for help. So, I got out of the bath to make a phone call. And when I got out of the bath, I was ringing vet. There you go. So, the, so I had to put on an accent there, obviously, to make the joke work. And pretend that my grasp of English wasn't very good to make the joke work there. Missing out the air. And so it's not, I was ringing a vet. I was ringing a vet. And that's a much better joke. It doesn't mention the word in the punchline as well. I don't say ringing, I don't say vet. There's a bit more of a story behind it as well, isn't there, with the dog? It kind of sidelines you. You think, oh, this is going to be a joke about a dog. No, it's a play on words about a Russian man or an Austrian or something like that. Not being able to say W's. Hence the hilarity. There's a few little decoys there. A few little curveballs. I like your curved balls, David. I said curved balls, Ray, not curved balls. All oh, right. And anyway, let's not talk about the shape of my testicles. So I'm very sensitive. You are very sensitive. But yeah, okay, Ray. But I, hopefully I'll remember to edit that bit out because that'll be embarrassing, that bit there. I'll, I'll edit this bit out. I mean, I, I'm a bit worried that I might forget to edit this bit out. I might just kind of like think, oh yeah, that was fine, that dollop. I'll just put it out as it is without any editing. And then I'll be all embarrassed if this bit makes it. You can remind me at the end, Ray, to edit this out so we don't have that embarrassment. That'll be good. I mean... The thing is, people might think it was a joke. Like, you might think that I've invented you as a character, but I'm so lifelike, David. Uh, well, yeah, I, well, of course you are sort of lifelike, but I'm a very good actor, you know, that's, that's the thing. And it's not, a, I'm just saying that I'm such a good actor that people can believe that I brought these characters to life. It also doesn't help that we don't speak at the same time. Well, you told me not to. I know, I have, I have my rules. And, you know, I will be obeyed at all times, Ray. Yes, I know. And what happened last time? And I have the rubber duck ready should we need it. All right, David, I understand. Thank you. I mean, it helps, Ray, the fact that you have the same name as some bubble bath, so that people will probably assume that I'm not actually with someone called Ray Docks, that I'm just talking about the bubble bath and I've made a bit of a joke about it. So actually, that's quite a good coincidence, really, isn't it? I suppose that has worked in your favour, yes. And then me saying this bit about not editing it out and saying that you're not a character and all that kind of thing, and that I haven't acted yet, people will go, oh, well, he's admitted it, People will just think this is all part of the act as well. I suppose that's very clever. It, it is very clever. Ray, yeah. So people won't know. Like, for instance, if I just reach over here and do this to you. Oh. They'll just think I'm squeezing some shampoo. 
they won't actually know what's really happening, Ray. Ooh. There we are. Ooh. Yeah, you like that bit at the end. Now, a lot of people will just think that's me putting the lid on the shower gel. Only they knew. Anyway, and now people will just think I'm joking about this as well. So that's the, that's the beauty of it, Ray. I'm trying to think of some other one-liner jokes that I've come up with. As it's, as it's Christmas, we're going to have a couple of Christmas cracker-esque jokes. Um, how about this one? Did you hear about the eminent scientist whose trousers kept falling down? He was hoping to win the Nobel Prize. <laughs> Did you hear about the man who was caught with his penis in the spokes of a bicycle? What? How do you know about that, David? No, it's a joke, Ray. I've made it up. Oh, all right. Oh, forget I said anything. Sorry about that, listeners. I don't know. Ray's got a guilty conscience there. Anyway, yeah, so did you hear about the man who got caught with his penis in the spokes of a bicycle? Apparently, he was bike-curious. Bike-curious. There we are. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm just doing this so that when you pull your Christmas crackers and you read the joke, suddenly it doesn't seem so bad. I've loaded the bar so much and now the Christmas crackers will seem hilarious. So I've actually done you a favour by doing this job. I'm going to go and wash my hair. I'm not German. I know you're not German, Ray, but I mean my hair follicles. All right, I see. Oh dear, I feel a bit daft now. It's all right, Ray, people will just assume that you're doing a joke there, or that I'm doing a joke pretending to be you. So don't feel embarrassed about it. People really honestly won't think that you exist, Ray. I wouldn't worry about your reputation. I'll be back with something else tomorrow. All right then, well, I've been sitting up doing this dog in the bath, because obviously I didn't want to submerge myself in the water because people wouldn't be able to hear me. <laughs> but now the dog's finished, I can give myself a good Duncan. Oh, Duncan, Duncan. It's Ray, David. I'm called Ray. What? No, I, I know Ray. I'm saying I'm going to dunk myself under the water. Oh, right, sorry. You're a jealous man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is what we have. It's so special. And I thought Duncan was... Anyway, never mind. Let's not spoil what we have. Here you go. This will cheer up, Ray. Oh, yes. I love this bit. Oh. Oh, very nice. Oh, thank you, David. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, yes. Very nice. Oh, thank you, David. Ready for the big finale, Ray? The big finish? Oh, is there a big finish here, is there? What? One of the best nights of the man I ever had was in Helsinki. What? When I say big finish, I mean big end. Oh, yes, he did have a big end. Ray. Oh, God. I'm saying, Ray, are you ready for the big finale? Oh, sorry, David. Yes, yes, I am. Go on, do it. Okay, Ray, here we go. Oh. Christmas, this is a song from me at the age of eight, and it's called I Saw Your Trousers Fall Down. twist at the end there where he says well at least you didn't see me knickers fall down when he says no my knickers haven't fallen down when did you see that he presumably pulls the man's knickers down and then says then when i came down the stairs dad was preparing things for the christmas dinner and as he was doing that the tv was on and it was Alan jones doing some christmas concert one of the ones where they pretend 
that it's live, even though you know for a fact it's not. They've got loads of guests and stuff, and it's clearly been recorded, but they pretend that it hasn't been recorded, even though you know it has. I don't know why they don't just admit it. Why don't they not just go, oh yeah, this is a programme that we've recorded for Christmas. It's still nice. It's still fine. Especially in this age where no one's really bothered about things being live anyway. Everyone's listening to things on demand. But they still go through the facade of pretending. Alan Jones keeps saying to the audience, are you all enjoying your Christmas day so far? And everyone's going, way! <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing? What are you pretending? It's like, oh, we've all unwrapped our presents, haven't we? And then we've come here to the studio for a brilliant Christmas carol concert. And then we'll go home and we'll have our Christmas dinner, won't we? Way! It's stupid. I wonder what they would do. Let's just say Alan Jones died like an hour before the broadcast. And the BBC are thinking, oh, we can't pull it. Or maybe even worse, like 15 minutes before the broadcast. And news only gets to them and they've got the whole thing planned and they go, we, we haven't got time to schedule anything else. And maybe they try and keep it off Twitter. They're like, oh, no, please don't release information about Alan Jones before the broadcast goes out. So they're imploring the family, don't put anything on Twitter, whatever you do, about Alan Jones being dead. I mean, they probably wouldn't say Alan Jones if you're talking to the family. They'd probably just say Alan. I think they're like, well, we know who he is. You don't have to keep saying his full name. Um, we know, I am his son. I don't know if Alan Jones has a son. I haven't done my, I haven't done my research for this dollar, by the way. This is all sort of stream of consciousness stuff here. If you're thinking Alan Jones hasn't got a son, David, I thought, you know, normally you meticulously research the dollars. I know it's Christmas. I haven't had the time. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. My research team, they've got the Christmas holidays off. You know, it's just me here talking to myself. You know, I mean, it could go down to the wire. They might find out two minutes before it's about to go to air. There's just no time to make a decision. They've just got to press the button. Alan Jones' merry face comes out. You know, he's saying, hey, Merry Christmas. Christmas, everybody. I'm here on Christmas Day having a great time. How are you all enjoying your Christmas morning? And then you finish the programme and the news comes on. And what they're going to do now, they can't keep it any longer. Like there's the person at the BBC is panicking. All the other news outlets are reporting it. The BBC have got no choice but to report that Alan Jones has died. So it'll just be really weird about it. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Have a lovely Christmas from me, Alan Jones. Goodbye. Hey, Merry Christmas. And everything ends. Ten seconds later, and now on BBC One, the news. Good afternoon. Alan Jones has died. <laughs> it was like, what? That happened pretty quick. He seemed so well only a few seconds ago. There'll be a few people thinking, oh, it's a bloody typical, that, isn't it? A few sadists. Just as the cameras stopped rolling, we just missed it. I've had to sit through watching that poxy carol concert, you know, just because me, me wife likes it, you know, all that sentimental drivel. You know, finally, we get a bit of action and the bloody cameras stop rolling. We must have literally just missed it. If the cameras had stayed up for another ten seconds, we'd have, we'd have got him dying. How did it happen? He died peacefully in his home. Peacefully in his home? I mean, he must have literally sprinted. Sprinted. <laughs> I've taken this as far as it will go, I think. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can really elaborate on this idea. You get the idea. I think you get what I'm saying. I mean, I could have gone on for another few minutes there, <laughs> imagining this hypothetical scenario, but I suddenly realised what I was doing. I'm just sit sitting in a room by myself. My family are downstairs having Christmas. Essentially, I'm up here imagining the hypothetical death of Alan Jones. Anyway, I only found out today that Alan Jones, I think it was last year he did this, released an album where he duetted with himself when he was young. So, obviously, he recorded a Christmas album when he was a kid, when he was... We're walking in the air. 
when he had that kind of voice. And then last year he recorded himself singing with himself when he was younger. So he duetted with himself as a young kid. And apparently it's been a massively selling album. It's very commercially successful. And this got me thinking, well, I got in a minute. I could do the same. You know, this could be my commercial success. David Eagle duets with himself. You know, duetting over the top of songs that he composed and sang and recorded when he was eight-year-old. And here he is now at the age of 31, over 20 years later, duetting with himself. You know, it's worked for Anna Jones. I see no reason why it shouldn't work for me. So I'm going to give you a sneak preview here. This isn't going to be the kind of, you know, obviously the quality will be much better on the actual commercially released CD. I mean, for a start, I'll remaster the recordings from when I was eight. You know, I've got the original tapes, don't worry about it. I've got the, the original recordings, so I'll uh, be remastering them, obviously. Digitally enhancing them, putting them into stereo as well. The original recordings were in mono, but they'll probably be proper stereo things. I'll probably add some sort of instruments over the top as well, and I shall add my voice. But here's just a kind of an example, just to sort of, if there's any kind of record label people listening or anything like that. I mean, if I'm going to send this out to record labels, I might skip a few minutes in and send them that bit. Because I think if someone from a record label had to sit through me talking about the hypothetical death of Alan Jones for five minutes beforehand, I think they might think, right, well, we're not sure about this. But this is just to give them and to give you an idea of the kind of thing it would sound like. So I'm just going to sing over the top. So yesterday I played you one of my songs from the age of eight, entitled I Saw Your Trousers Fall Down. I'm just going to sing over the top of this, add some harmonies, see how it goes. So, yeah, inspired by Alan Jones. I saw your trousers fall down I saw them You may have seen my trousers fall down, but at least you didn't see my knickers fall down. Yeah, I did. What do you mean? When? Then. You just pull me knickers down. I don't think that's particularly funny. <laughs> well, I would do the same to you. I'd pull your knickers down. But you are an eight-year-old boy pulling down the knickers of a 31-year-old man, whereas I would be a 31-year-old man pulling down the knickers of an eight-year-old boy. Granted, it would be me, my eight-year-old self whose knickers I'd be pulling down. But, um, you know, it's still a bit of a grey area, isn't it? So I'm not going to pull your knickers down. <laughs> there you go. I even interacted with the spoken bits there and added a little bit extra, a bit of comedy there. People will love that on the CD. Obviously, you know, we can get writers involved to sort of heighten the script even as well. I might even draft in some writers. You know, there's, I've got all sorts of dialogue of me talking when I was eight-year-old so we could have a proper conversation. I could interview myself. I could interview my eight-year-old self, edit together, like, sentences through all the words that I have at the age of eight. So I could interview myself at the age of eight and my eight-year-old self could interview me at the age of 31. We could have a bit of a discussion there. I think, you know, this is going to be brilliant. It's the next project. Okay, it's time for some improvised comedy now. <laughs> improvised Christmas comedy. Come in. Ah, Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Yes. Thank you for coming, Santa. And thank you for using the door this time. Well, you blocked off my access to the chimney. Health and safety, Santa Claus. Health and safety. That's what we're here to talk about today. You have filled out your risk assessment, I assume? Yes. 
Um, I'm just looking for a piece of paper to rustle. I should have I should have planned this in advance. I'm just sort of making this up on the spot. Hang on a second, I'll just get some paper. The Santa Claus. Well, actually, what well, Santa Claus's risk, risk assessment could be done electronically, couldn't it? That's all right then. I have it here on my tablet. Always thinking, people. Always thinking. I don't know why we have to do these blasted risk assessments. Risk assessments are vital, Santa Claus, especially in this day and age. And it is my job as elf and safety officer to make sure that risk assessments are filled out properly. Now, let's have a look at what you've done here. Okay, so this is for your sleigh ride, is it? Yes, yes, that's right. Okay. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Well, I'm afraid we're gonna have to amend that, Santa. We can't jingle all the way. What do you mean? Why not? Well, jingling between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. are strictly forbidden. We can't have noise over a certain volume, and I have listened to the sound of your sleigh bells, and they exceed the number of decibels allowed in between those unsociable hours. So I'm afraid you're gonna have to stop the jingling between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. This is ridiculous! I'm sorry, Santa Claus. And that's my final word. Now, you're going to turn my beard grey. Ah, on the subject of your beard, Santa, I'm afraid you're going to have to shave it a little. Shave it? So getting a bit long is becoming a safety issue. You could trip someone up with it. One of the little children or something. Plus it's not very hygienic. This is ridiculous. If you want to continue working in this industry, industry, I've never heard the like. Let me continue reading this risk assessment. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Let me amend that. Jingle between the hours of 7am and 11pm. Keeping within approved decibel limits. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. No, 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 I'm sorry. We can't have an open sleigh, Santa. What? Someone could easily fall out of an open sleigh, Santa. You're just asking for trouble. The insurance company wouldn't pay out. They'd say that we haven't taken the necessary precautions. So I'm going to suggest that we put a roof on the sleigh, maybe some safety rails, and we'll close off the sides as well. This is ridiculous. Jingle bells, jingle bells. I'm just going to take out one of the jingle bells. It seems a bit redundant having it twice, Santa, especially since I've got to print this off and we're all about saving paper here. You know the rules about paper waste. So let's, let's take off that jingle bells. I repeat myself all the time. It's what I do. It's my thing. Do you know how much paper you must have wasted in your time? Writing ho, ho, ho. One ho will do. I mean, you don't even need one ho, to be honest. Ho is a redundant word. In future, Santa, if you have to ho, can you just do it once, please? It's a complete waste of paper. I've been ho-ho-hoing before your great-grandfather was born. This is an outrage. I'm sorry, Santa, but times have changed. Now, jingle bells between the hours of 7am and 11pm. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a roofed-off, secured one-horse. I think we can scrap the horse idea as well, to be quite frank. What? Maybe electric-powered. That might be better. I don't believe this. Jingle until the hours of 7am and 11pm on a electric-powered sleigh with a roof and appropriate safety features. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle... You've basically written the same thing again. We can take that off. I'm not sure where this trait for repetition comes from. Ah, get rid of that. Dashing through the snow. Dashing. Dashing suggests going at some speed. Now, fortunately, given that this is an electric-powered sleigh, you won't be able probably to exceed the speed limit, but I think it is incumbent upon me to make sure that you travel in accordance with speed limits at all times. So I shall put that instead of dashing through the snow. Travelling through the snow, keeping in line with speed legislation at all times. Over fields we go, laughing all the way. You can laugh as much as you want between the hours of 7am and 11pm, as long as you keep your laughing to the approved decibel level. I'll just put that on the list there. Laughing, in brackets, restricted to 7am and 11pm, keeping in line with approved decibel levels. 
Close brackets. I'm not taking this anymore. This is ridiculous. I've done this job for centuries and I have never heard such twiddle twaddle. I'm sorry, Santa, but you will have to follow these guidelines. Let me say this to you. No, no, no. Merry Christmas. Santa, where are you going? You can't make me do this. Santa, I can. And I will. And if you refuse, then I'm going to have to give you the sack. I've already got the sack. Okay. It seems as if I have no choice. That's right, Santa, you don't. Yo, listen to me, young man. In these last few minutes, you've been what I would describe as a very naughty boy. And you know what I do to naughty boys? Santa, are you threatening me? Yes, I am. Oh, let's have a look at my list. My list, which is on my tablet nowadays because I can't print my list out anymore due to paper regulations from the environmental department. Now, yes, that's right. Elf and safety officer. Naughty. Oh, let me just check my list again to make sure. What is it about repeating everything again, Santa? I don't know where that came from. I always check things twice. I always hold three times. It's just my thing. It's just my thing. Now, yes, that's right. Elf and safety officer, definitely naughty. You know what that means, don't you? Santa, I can't believe you're threatening me like this. No toys for you this year. Santa, all you're getting this year is a lump of coal. What? Oh, please, Santa, this is, I'm just doing my job. I'm just following orders. I'm going to set off in half an hour, taking my sack and my one-horse open sleigh with me, and I shall jingle my bells for as long as I bloody well please. Now, if you try and stop me, be warned, young man. Not only will you not get any presents this year, but I also have a list of all the naughty things that you've done this year, and I will leak it to the press. Oh, yes, including that rather distasteful business with one of my reindeers. Oh, Santa, please! You've got half an hour. If you want me, you know where I am. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Santa, please! Thank you. Bit of improvised Christmas comedy there, ladies and gentlemen. What about the rest of the story? If you want to know what happened? Well, I'm sorry. That's all I'm going to give you for free. Feel free to start a Kickstarter project or something. If there's any radio or TV commissioners out there, let's talk about this. It's going to be a busy year for me next year, what with my record deal and then this Christmas drama. Exciting stuff, ladies and gentlemen. A Christmas party that I attended once when I was uh, seven or eight or something. It was a Christmas party for people with various disabilities. So obviously I was invited because I was blind. There were people with all sorts of different disabilities in the area in Hartlepool. Uh, I mean, being from Hartlepool, you could argue is a disability within itself, but... Um, so we all attended this Christmas party, and the mobile DJ, uh, I don't think, had really prepared for this Christmas party. He'd either not been warned that it was a party for disabled children, or maybe he didn't really think about it in advance. But it got to the bit where he said, right, uh, now it's time uh, for a few games. Let's, uh, let's, let's have some games, shall we? So uh, how about a game of musical bumps? And when the music stops, all you got to do is sit down. And uh, so one of the volunteers working at the charity had to go up and explain that half the people at the party were already sitting down, being that they were wheelchair bound. Oh, oh OK, OK, well, that's maybe not the, uh, the best game to play. How about a game of uh, musical statues? So he plays the music and people are dancing around and then the music stops and he he sort of goes up to someone and he says okay um you you're moving my friend you're uh, wobbling about all over the place sir you're you're not meant to be moving so one of the volunteers says oh well he's he's got a uh, hypermobility syndrome which means that his joints stop dislocate and he wobbles around quite a lot the dj was like oh okay well uh, you you can stay in then <laughs> 
the weirdest game. Like the more the person who's like jiggling around the most, wobbling all over the place, is still in the game because the, the billboard DJ doesn't want to get him out. And then he, the music starts again. Everyone's dancing around. The music stops, and he's sort of having a look around. And then he says, "Oh, oh dear! Someone's just toppled over there." <laughs> I'm afraid you're out, my friend. One of the volunteers goes, "Well, he's, he's got dyspraxia. It affects his balance. He sort of just topples over and stuff." Oh, okay, okay. So, <laughs> they, that was a disaster. So he's like, "Okay, well, that doesn't seem to be working. Let's uh, let's have a bit of music now, shall we? How about how about a bit of the okey cokey? You put your left leg in, your left leg out. It's like, yeah, well, half the people haven't actually got left legs, but." Uh, the poor man was uh, getting more and more distressed and I think in the end just put on a bit more black lace. Hello, me again. Have you missed me? This is me, David Eagle, back in 2020. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back in 2021. We did say when we were doing The Eagle is Stranded, the podcast series that I did in the first lockdown, that we would be back with a weekly podcast, but uh, we haven't done that yet. However, I think we'll do that in 2021, starting in January. I'll have a little think about that. It'll be me and it'll be Ellie. And I'm still with Ellie, don't worry. I mean, I don't know whether I will be when she hears my bath-based antics. But, you know, it was four years ago. She's got to realise that I've had others. I don't keep in touch with Ray anymore. We agreed that it was for the best, that we uh, part ways. We've parted ways many a time before, but... I mean, in a different sense of the word. Anyway, (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) for listening. I'll be back uh, 2021. Whether you'll be back is another matter altogether after that. (laughs) But thank you very much for all of your support this year and for all the positive messages because it has been a weird year it was meant to be a, a packed year full of gigs in terms of gigs with the young'uns and stand-up as well it was going to be a crazy hectic year to be honest I don't know how I would have actually done everything that I was planning on doing but then of course none of it really ended up happening however we'll see what happens in 2021 I think we'll do a weekly podcast in 2021 starting in January but before that YTV returns it's the young'uns monthly television show and it's the Christmas one that'll be coming out on the 27th Second of December. There are Young'un's Christmas podcasts as well available. There are three, one from 2012, one from 2015, and one from 2018. You can use a search engine of your choice and type in Young'un's Christmas podcast and you'll sure find it. DavidEagle.co.uk if you feel overcome by altruism, or pity even, and you'd like to donate, you are very welcome to. You can donate via PayPal. That's at DavidEagle.co.uk. We're also doing a Christmas cracker gig that's been recorded and that'll be going out on the Sage Gate said website on the 18th but basically if you're following me and you're following the young'uns on social media you'll find out all about this so I'm going to shut up now and it's the moment you've been waiting for <clears throat> Merry Christmas but you said you were going to say goodbye as well I am, I am I'm just leaving a pause, dramatic pause alright okay goodbye <laughs>